You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Today on Two Sons of Tatooine, Chapter 23 of The Mandalorian, The Spies. Directed by Rick Famuyiwa and written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. But first, I'm one of your hosts, Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and joining me as always is Jonathan Cohn. Follow his YouTube channel for Star Wars book news, as well as plenty of other sci-fi and fantasy novel reviews and news. All right, let's jump into Season 3, Episode 7. By far, the best intro of any episode this season, maybe for the series. Jonathan, let's get some of your thoughts on the Shadow Council. Yeah, hoorah. Oh my goodness, I was freaking out when I first watched this. I was I was freaking out the <laughs> second time I watched this with you and Sam. I was mm. uh I yeah, I love I loved this whole sequence for so many reasons. Um first of all, Gideon walking through the 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 red laser fields um uh evoked, you know, Phantom Menace so well um that mm-hmm. I I just really appreciated that. Uh and then uh, I'd really love to see a sequence where like Grogu's chasing someone and has to stop in between the fields or something next week. That'd be hilarious. Anyway, um, uh, but <laughs> but the oh. Um, oh what if oh oh what if Grogu is chasing uh, uh, someone through it and it's like Din's on the other side and that's how Din dies is because because oh Grogu gosh. can't get to him. oh okay sorry my mind just well they there. would probably tease it but if they did like. People would be like, "Oh, they just copied, you know, Phantom Minutes." Right. I mean, but I'd be okay with that. Slightly different. If they just slightly different, and it happens a little bit different, they're like, "Oh, I, I thought they were going to, but right. I'm glad they didn't." Right. But anyway, so you get to the Shadow Council, and you <clears throat> see all these different Imperials, and some of them are nameless Imperials. Some of them are Imperials we haven't met before. Some of them, when you see it, it just says Imperial Warlords. It does not specifically name them, and I think that they're holding back. Because, A, they didn't have time to name all of them, but, B, I think they want to see whether or not they want to pull in a bunch of EU characters, make them all canon characters, make them all original. Like, they're waiting to decide what to do. So, we'll see what happens there. But two of them are certainly named. One of them yes. is uh, Gilad Pelion, who is a major character in the Thrawn, uh, OG Thrawn trilogy, which I'm going to make you read this summer, um, <laughs> because uh, he's like <laughs> Thrawn's right-hand man. He's the captain in charge of the Chimera, and he is a, he's not like a brilliant tactician, but he's a loyal Empire guy, and he works hard, and he's, he's like fiercely loyal to Thrawn. There's no one in the EU who is more loyal to Thrawn. Um, And then he also has a big role in some of the other books. And eventually he becomes, in the EU, he becomes the leader of the Empire later on in his career. So he's a great character. And we see him and he looks just like... His he does in the books in his in the comics mm. iterations and stuff like it's he he leapt from the page, perfectly yeah, voice and everything. Absolutely. Then you had a character yes. named um, uh, uh, Hux Brindle Hux Brendal Hux. Yes, who uh, is uh, also in the canon. First, people will know the name Hux because of um, the uh, they'll they'll remember from the uh, the sequel trilogy. You'll have uh, Armitage Hux, which is played by Domhnall Gleeson. 
which when I mentioned that to my parents, they were like, oh, yeah, I remember him. And then this is the character's father, Brendel, played by the actor's brother. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and so the character wow. made his debut in Aftermath Empire's End, which is basically the Battle of Jeddah, um, which is actually really interesting. But he was mm. a prominent character in one of my favorite canon novels, Phasma. Phasma. Which is the backstory mm. of Phasma. And it's ba- this novel is basically um, Mad Max Fury Road in Star Wars. Um, uh, and it's all about basically Brendel Hux's ship crashes down on Phasma's home planet. And Phasma's the person who finds him. And she and her tribe try to get him off planet. Uh, and then mm. she kind of joins him. And there's all this crazy horror stuff that happens with her too. It's an amazing novel. Amazing novel. Mm. Uh, but he plays a prominent role there. So to see him with that iconic British voice on the screen mm. with the the red, you can even though he's in blue and white uh, because he's a hologram, you can tell he has a red beard. Uh, you can you can just tell he looks the part. Um, <laughs> and you can tell, yes. oh yeah, he's definitely related. So it's cool that they brought a prominent EU character and a prominent canon character. Now, during this time, there is a snother, the person who's literally in charge of the First Order at this time, Ray Sloan, no collection to Ray Skywalker, um, Ray Sloan, mm-hmm. uh, the Grand Admiral, she's nowhere to be found uh, in this Shadow Council, which is kind of sad because she's a much bigger character, and she was created by John Jackson Miller. Um, but she's a much bigger character um, mm. uh, from the Aftermath trilogy and other books, but she wasn't present. But you see these two characters, and it just shows that Filoni is doing exactly what I wanted him to do. He is not just sticking to canon. He is not just redoing Legends. He is making a path that makes it open for both types of fans to enjoy. There's so many people that that went crazy on Twitter, like I did, because it was just so cool to see both represented perfectly. And I get like Mm. they didn't skip a beat or anything. It, it, It just worked so well. So that's all my thoughts on the Shadow Council. I'll let you talk. Yeah. Well, in terms of the, you know, kind of tension they create, as you'd imagine, the Empire was somewhat uh, leaderless and just a little bit of a who's going to be the next guy. And I get that palpable. There's just a little bit of who's got the biggest army, who's got the most resources. But there's also, though, we have to work together. And, you know, in the same time, as long as they have the kind of very vocal, uh, you know, Republic as growing and as a common enemy, I feel like they'll stay together. But the second that like they start to get a little more powerful, there's going to probably be the, the foreshadowing is there for some inviting. Oh, yeah. um, so even in this council, you get the sense that <clears throat> not everybody's on the same page. Um, some people are, and, you know, specifically with regards to, to you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And mm-hmm. we can talk about that. But but I love that the comment you get from um, Pelion is that we need to save our strength for the right time, yep. for the right moment. And we cannot let the Republic know how strong we really are. Mm-hmm. We have to keep, you know, plundering small time. Uh, you know, as the other, it was a nameless officer who kind of was like, plea, you know, why, why can't we just do more of the whole piracy plundering and whatnot and build up our forces that way and wealth. And it's because we cannot let them know just how powerful we have become until it's time. And we don't know the real state, but it's clear that they're definitely more powerful than everybody thinks. So there's also the conversation 
which I really am curious. We talked about this. What if Thrawn is literally off screen yeah. behind <laughs> Pillion listening to the Shadow Cancel yeah. and and can't reveal himself, but mm-hmm. is just listening off screen out of sight, out of, you know, out of view and hearing them talk about him. Um, <clears throat> just I really appreciated the writing here. But when, you know, Moff uh, Gideon makes the comment that secrecy is his trade and even he doesn't know anything about Thrawn, he's not heard. Um, I'm kind of like, well, have you experienced much of Thrawn? Because trust me, if you did, you know, if you did hear anything, it would be because he wanted, wanted you to, you to know it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, and <coughs> and uh, with it's it's kind of funny that uh, this kind of mirrors like this could be like a Lucas like the, the meme could be made about this the Shadow Council is basically Lucasfilm being like all right we've got this we've got this big secret about Grand Admiral Thrawn we can't let it leak I mean I I, I, I haven't seen anything online I haven't seen it leak yet like it's just kind of funny that the um, real life mirrors the Star Wars that they they, they <laughs> particularly Favreau Filoni and then also the the um, the people who wrote the sequel trilogy. Both did a very good job of trying to hold secrets as much as possible, of not revealing what's actually happening. And with Rogue One and Solo, they didn't exactly do that um, because they weren't trying to go for big secrets. And same for like Andor um, or Kenobi that much. But it is interesting that they're doing such a good job of trying to keep the surprises, keep the shocks. We really don't know. Like... We were on the edge of our seat to watch the end of Andor, but that's because it was just that good a show. But we weren't expecting huge, you know, universe referencing characters or things like that that are going to, like, totally just shock us like that. Um, that's, mm. That wasn't the expectation. But where it is, is it is here. And they do a good job in a penultimate episode of providing all of those mm. great moments. Um, uh, and, yeah. you know, the they do a good... Mandalorian. The scale of it has grown so much from where we started. Right. Yeah. And so I, I thought that this, just, just it was that the Shadow Council was so well designed. And then when you think about the fact that they don't do everything, they don't reveal Thrawn here. They kind of, you know, hint at him. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, is this like the two-parter Bad Batch? My favorite episodes of the Bad Batch season two. Where at the beginning they kind of reference of the it, when they're on Coruscant. Hey, where's the Emperor? Why, if he thinks this is so important, why is he not in these deliberations? Oh, the Emperor thinks these are very important. He's just not. He's just busy right now. At the, the first beginning, of, that was the beginning of the first episode. By the end of the second episode, Emperor shows up. So it <clears> makes <throat> me wonder. Mm, maybe <laughs> Thrawn shows up at the end of next week. I'm not sure. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Um, yeah. It's possible. It's good to hear his name again, if yes. nothing else. And, I, and it makes um, me wonder, what would have happened if the schedule didn't align and Celebration had not come out? Like, Because the Celebration, of course, we got discussions of Thrawn. We literally saw who's playing Thrawn. We got, um, uh, you know, the, the whole Ahsoka trailer is built around where Thrawn is. But what if that hadn't happened and this episode just dropped separately? Like, I'm, I'm imagining... What would the fan base's reaction have been? And I feel like it, they would have focused not as much on Pelion and Hux as they did and focused more on the fact that, oh, my goodness, we got Thrawn again. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the excitement over Thrawn is kind of hard to overshadow. Yeah. So by doing that, well, we still would have been very excited. I'll, I'll totally say 
that the only thing about it is that Thrawn, having been so recently, wasn't quite as much of a shock, just like right. you said. So, <clears throat> um, some of the other things that are kind of really important that were mentioned, um, we get a little bit about you know Doctor Pen Pershing. Yeah. We get a little bit about Project Necromancer, mm-hmm. which <clears throat> it's my understanding that that's the whole idea of resurrecting Palpatine is yeah. eventually resurrection and, and cloning. Snoke clones, and that leads to all of that stuff. Yeah. And that's under Hux's jurisdiction. Yep. But they have to give him time, and they have to pave the way for him to safely conduct that research and all the things and supplies uh, that he needs. But when, when Gideon asks for these resources, that's when he reveals, and we, didn't, we skipped over this, but we did have a great scene um, with, with uh, Eli Kane right. telling basically the, you know, the, the big news of, wow, these two clans of Mandalorians have now joined forces, at least at the, you know, for, the, for, for the temporary right now, and could potentially you know, be trying to retake their planet. Gideon locks onto that right away and is like, okay, well, that's a, that's a problem. Goes in, and that's when he asks for the reinforcements. And <clears throat> the fact that we get the Praetorian Guards mentioned and then see them later, super cool. But what, but what worries me is, you know, when you, when you have no... You, like, Thrawn's strategy was never in alignment with most of the Empire back in the days of the heyday. And for that reason, they failed. But here, what you see is Gideon's asking for TIE interceptors, for bombers. Yeah. He's, he's not, not asking, asking for a Death Star. For, Super weapon. He's not asking for a Death Star. He's not asking for even regular TIE fighters or this or that. He's asking for the specialized, the top quality, the, the tie, TIE fighters with shields, with hyperdrives in them, with you know advanced maneuvering capabilities and better weapons. And those, honestly, scare me. When you look at the fleet... Which, have, have you paused, by the way? Have you looked at all the ships in the Mandalorian fleet? Yeah, yeah. I know that uh, I counted, uh, Eckhart's I Ladder about, did, did, it, did, a, yes, did a deep dive. He, did and a he, he, mentioned, he mentioned how uh, conspicuously some of the ships are obviously not present and do not go with the full fleet. Like, they, they go up into the atmosphere on Navarro, and they have the full fleet, and then mm. most of the fleet is at Mandalore, but there's some ships missing. And I was like, why'd you have to point that out, Eckhart? Why couldn't you have just let that as a surprise? Now I know it's coming. <laughs> come on, man. Well, come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> anyway. I counted about 50 ships. And, you know, Eckhart's ladder is a just he understands like when you talk about the sci fi universe, like the Warhammer 40K universe, he understands he understands the Battlestar Galactica ships. He understands space battles Mm -hmm. on a level of somebody who's just dedicated time so much to understanding every single ship, what it counters, what it's weak against, what its purpose is within a fleet. And like so when he does a video like that, analyzing the fleet, I'm like Give me more. I want even more. This is amazing. Because <laughs> he can he can look at the numbers behind each side and the design of everything in a way. And I'm like, who who in the writer room at, at Lucasfilm knows the ships better than this guy and can like sit there and make make sure that it makes sense? You know, probably, I, I mean, Dave knows stuff, but does Dave know like every detail of every prob- ship like this? Well, well, I would probably say not. they do. They do have several people <clears throat> who are involved in this type of thing. Doug Chang. Um, uh, very much involved in this type of thing. Also, they have Leland Chi, the keeper of the holocron. 
um, who's like, you know, all this, the tiny details are his bread and butter. Um, uh, so I'm sure he was involved with that. And then, of course, the, like the story group, we all imagined that the story group would be involved in storytelling. They're really not. The story group is really more detail-oriented than we expected mm. them to be. So that's their jobs. The the, the Matt Martins, the Pablo Hidalgos. Um, uh, I forgot her name. There is a, a girl on the list, uh, a woman. I forgot her name. She's focusing on the acolytes, so she's not so much working on the Mando stuff. But all of them, they're the ones who you would they would go to, and they'd be like, all right, we need these ships. Let us know what which ones can we use and which ones would work and how would they compare with tie interceptors in the battle. So there are people there at Lucasfilm who this is their thing. And even Star Trek, they had to hire them externally for the new Picard season, but they, those people exist. So mm. that's a really cool profession for anybody who's like <laughs> my whole career. I'm going to go and advise sci-fi shows on which ships would win in battle versus this and that. And, right. you know, and make sure that when the writers are getting it together, that I keep everything logically consistent so that it stays true with all the stuff within universe. And, you know, I mean, that's a cool, uh, I, f- for people out there, I just appreciate throw some praise your direction. The people who do that excellent, excellent on you. Um, speaking about like <clears throat> that whole thing, going back to tie it in, I feel like if this was, you know, maybe the Andor time period, this Mandalorian fleet against, you know, the typical Empire patrol or a fleet of similar scope and size, this Mandalorian fleet would just wipe the snot out of them and crush them. But I'm just worried because of the TIE interceptors because, like, Moff Gideon, he doesn't doesn't have stormtroopers. He's got an entire guard wearing Beskar with jetpacks. And, like... Uh, this is not going to be normal. So in the same way that the Mandalorians are so specialized, I'm just, yeah, Gideon understands that. And I think that's one of the things that probably Thrawn really hamped up, like with this mm-hmm. t- Tire Defender project. Right. I mean, you remember there was a whole arc of rebels dedicated just to the ship. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the book, um, Thrawn Treason. Treason, there was a whole lot of, like, political discussion about the idea of resources that Thrawn wanted to spend, which basically, you know, I think it was, uh, um, the Death Star, I'm sorry, who, who, the guy over the Death Star, um, Krennic or Krennic. Krennic was like, yeah, Krennic was like, no, I need these resources for the Death Star for the project Stardust. And, and, you know, basically the whole argument was Thrawn versus him and who gets more resources. And if, and if it, they just done the defenders, they would have wiped out the Rebel Alliance. They would have, and it's kind of funny happened. that in, in, uh, in <clears throat> Legends, when, when the second Death Star blows up, you basically not only have the loss of the Death Star, you also have the loss of all the supporters of the Death Star, pretty much. All of the people who were like, all the super weapon people pretty much died. And so now you have all these admirals, all these captains, all these moths who are like, all right, well, we've now built a super weapon <clears throat> twice. And both times the rebels destroyed it and, and saved the day. <laughs> so basically... Maybe we shouldn't do super weapons anymore. And they were like, All right, until we need the first someone. order comes along, and then right. let's do another okay. one. Okay, okay, yes. One but generation later. No, no, no. But I'm saying, gotta in, go in, in the desert for forty years. But yes, I'm talking uh, about in Legends <laughs> um, in I, the I EU. Know. I, I, know. But, I know, I know, I know. But in that, they have that discussion of, all right, so what do we do? And so they basically divide into factions, warlords, as they have been in, in Mandalorian and in other th- projects. And then in um, uh, around five to six years after Battle of Endor, which is about the time period we're in now, 
they realize we need someone with strategy. We need someone who will tie everyone together, who will win not because they have a huge super weapon, but because they're doing the tactically smart thing. And that's when they bring in Thrawn and Legends. So they've been, you know, even though we've had the discussion of, oh, well, Thrawn's not really a villain necessarily, or is he a villain? Is he Sherlock? Is he home? Or uh, Moriarty? That discussion's been having in the fandom. Thrawn Treason perfectly lines up with Legends. And Thrawn Treason perfectly lines up with where they're going at the canon, where they're going to bring in hmm. the tacti- tactical person, Thrawn, uh, instead of a super weapon instead. So it's just... What are the chances that we get an episode in Ahsoka or the next Shadow Cancel episode where they have this exact discussion we're having right now? Or the same one that we're being bringing up from Thrawn Treason? I wouldn't be it's surprised, especially since this discussion is basically had in A New Hope. You know, when they're all around the table in New Hope, it's not, I don't think it's had quite as mm. nuanced in A New Hope as it could have been, um, but it's had. Uh, and, and knowing Dave Filoni, he likes to borrow from things, so I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he throws that in. I doubt we'll get it next episode, but either Ahsoka, maybe another season of Mando, maybe even the, the movie that they're doing, whatever. I wouldn't be surprised to see it come up soon. Mm. Very, very great scene. Probably the best scene in this episode, but there were a lot of really good scenes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but I, I even without knowing these characters, this scene was so uh, world building, just full of lore, full of great acting and great dialogue. You see Gideon's pitch for a little bit more power, and you see that it seems like uh, <clears throat> maybe the kind of the scales tip about like. You know, kind of like the Supreme Court right now, where there's like right. somewhat of on the balance, but it's slightly leaning towards Gideon being the guy that they want to lead, or <laughs> you know, and there's other. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, I don't know if that's so. If that's so you're saying not, that? Uh, so you're saying that Gideon is? Uh, well, I'm not going to make that joke. Okay, never we mind. Should, we shouldn't go too far into that. But, <laughs> um, but one, if one is Thrawn and one's Gideon, then I'm going to go Thrawn. In fact, I, I actually kind of started rooting for Thrawn, just hearing his name and knowing that Pelion yeah. is kind of representing his side. I'm like, man, I would love to see Thrawn just win. Um, but let's go on because uh, there's a lot to talk about. The next the sequences stuff. were some of my favorites in the episode. I mean, obviously, this one's probably the bit my favorite because of the member berry stuff. But <clears> seeing <throat> the ship... Uh, the ships over Navarro, seeing the fleet come together, seeing the Mandos step off the ships. I mean, like, that's like, that's like some, we, I never thought I'd see this in live action Star Wars. Mm. It's just really cool. I agree. I, I was only left wanting on for some more epic music during that. Yes. Um, yeah. The music was the, was the problem. I, I'll admit. During, during the fleet anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was, there was, you know. Yeah, she got to find her footing after losing Ludwig. We talked about it. So um, this whole stuff with, you know, it's great to see um, <clears throat> what's-his-face again, uh, Navarro, High Magistrate. Oh, anyway, Carga, Grief Carga. And, Who, yeah, by yeah, the way, yeah. by the way, uh, he actually wished Gina Carano a happy birthday uh, today on Twitter, which I was very shocked Aww. to see. I was very surprised Aww. to see that because they're very different people politically. Well, he's a good he's a good he's guy. a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it occurred to me this is this is random, but with 
this show they've had to deal with, and they talked about this in Mandalorian Disney galleries, the reflective elements of the, of the nature of the armor and his uh, grief Karga's droid is really reflective as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like there had to be a lot of work done to make sure that the reflections didn't actually catch a camera or a right. background person yeah. or a set person or something like that on the design. So, and I paused and looked at it and I was like, looks, looks pretty clear to me. I, you know, I can see grief like in the reflection a couple times, mm-hmm. but uh, that I'm just giving credit where it's due to the people who who have to do something so small in a detail. Um, but this whole stolen fleet looks amazing, and then we get IG eleven slash twelve coming in, and the Anzellan yes, bad baby, yes, bad baby, no squeezy, no squeezy. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I mean, it's kind of cute. Not, how can you not find those guys cute? They're just they're just the best. We got some Halloween M and M's. He goes over at Grogu's, and then the Anzellan goes to them. But uh, you know, <laughs> we actually talk. Well, I <laughs> I wanted to put something in the intro where I just was going to have Jonathan come in and just interrupt me every time I was saying something. Just be like, no, yes, no, 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 yes, no. Oh, we should have done that. You should have done that. That would have been hilarious. I felt that like it would have been. It, it would have been too, too, you know, corny for us, even even for us. But um, <laughs> but when you texted you, me about seen, what time to record today, I just said yes, 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 yes. <laughs> like people people talk about, oh, sometimes <coughs> the Mandalorian is too cheesy, sometimes it's too <clears throat> too campy, too much member base. Like this had had all the stuff I love. The action, great. The um uh the 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 references, great. The humor, like the humor with ba- ba- with Grogu. With saying yes and no with that thing was great. It also was a, a development thing where now he has the ability to literally use words even if he's not talking. But also, you have um, uh, it was used as a plot point later on, and it was very important later on. And so I, I just appreciated. Uh, now, however, I, I kind of wish, skipping ahead a little bit, I wish that he had used the force to stop the two guys from fighting. Uh, in some way, and then had used the the button. Uh, Because if he had used the Force, it would have been tying in his Jedi connection. Uh, And it wouldn't have just been the the robot stuff. But still, it had such an important use later on that it made the humor actually really valuable early. So, like, it's just, like, I just was appreciating that it had multi-use to it. If he'd used the Force, that would have revealed kind of more about him to some of the people who may not know that he is talented with the force. So maybe, and yeah, that, that maybe might have, it. it might have caused some division. If Jedi and Mandalorian aren't always allies, then, you know, we, even though the watch has accepted Grogu, what about these others? We don't right. know. Um, so we'll see the vocabulary super vocabulary tour is super, super fun. And obviously, uh, somebody in the writing room recalled some memories of when their toddler had first learned two words. And it was just, just learning to say no to their parents. That was awesome. Okay, what a great scene next because in this, like, you know, reuniting everybody, you know, let's make camp. And then Bo-Katan gives this speech where it's just, let's go and let's, re- let's go to our planet. We're going to go and take it back. <clears throat> I mean, if it's a ton of vibes that you get from like 
you know, the Israelites in the desert type right. of like, let's yeah. go into the promised land yeah. type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in an actual de- desert. Right. Um, but they, you know, they come together in this way. And I really feel like the, just the, the difficulty that it's taken us to get here has made it way more sweet. And mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of like, um, you know, Rise of Skywalker, the way that Lando shows up with this fleet, there's more of us, Poe, there's more of us. Like, it didn't carry the weight because we didn't know any of those people. And, it, and there's and no, it's not a payoff to a promise <clears throat> early on or anything. So this felt totally different. Mm-hmm. This is proper payoff. And yep. at, the, at the point where we get, you know, we need volunteers, it's, it's very, it's Lord very of Lord of the Rings fellowship of the, the ring style. Which and we, I just have to describe a moment that happened, Jonathan. <laughs> as, as we were watching this together, uh, and you have, you know, so, okay, tell the, tell the story, your version, and then we'll, we'll come in together. So, so first, so first, uh, when, when Mando stands up, you said, um, uh, and you have my baby. And then, uh, when, uh, when Casca Reeves stands up, uh, you said, and you have my WWE. And so you got me thinking about the, the, the jokes. And then all of a sudden, the second the Axe Wolf stands up, we both looked at each other Look at each and other. thought at the same time, and, my, and you have my and axe. My, and you have my axe. Because he's Axe was, Wolves. Like, we, and, and, and it's the third, especially since he's the third one to, to stand up yes. in that sequence, that it just works out perfectly because Gimli's the third one to step forward. Oh, my. <clears throat> it was... Uh, we were we were with uh, it was Sam, a, who didn't understand this. He didn't understand why it w- was that valuable. He's not but, a Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah, yeah. but but it's, it's it like, was it was a very it was a very well done moment. <clears throat> the only the only one I've heard better was on a podcast where they start one of them started making up lyrics to a song, and then the other one started making up lyrics, and they thought of the same lyric at the same time. Uh, that one was pretty oh magical. That's actually the podcast that, you know, uh, Jake Harris that we had on a few months ago. Um, that yeah. He was on. Anyway, uh, that was his podcast back in the day. That was really funny. But that, that was, that's why I, I tell you every week, watching these together is just so valuable because the experience <laughs> is just so fun. And we always make Lord of the Rings references when we watch it. <laughs> well, every time that, you know, something references. But I just, I just have to say this for people. We both have already seen the episode. On our first viewings, I actually like to watch it by myself yeah. so that I'm focused most mm-hmm. of the time. But, you know, because I don't want to be looking over and, like, trying to see somebody else's reaction. Right. Because that also clouds your own vision of what's actually... Right. Do you really like it or what's going on? I prefer watching so. the first time with with you uh, uh, or, or with anyone, with a group, because the, <clears> I just love that group experience. But even the second time is still so much fun. Regardless. It's good if other people haven't seen it yeah. and you have, and especially if the person you're going to make jokes with has already seen it. So you're not worried yeah. about like ruining the experience right. by having them miss something. Um, right. But anyway, okay. So great scene where the volunteer um, and the even the armorer volunteers, which we'll yeah. talk about her. Uh, some people are saying stuff that I don't necessarily agree with. <laughs> anyway. But but it's it's everywhere. You cannot escape the theory. Like first of all, I know. Okay, I, I will save it. So, uh, yep. Hey, here's another theory that I heard. Well, it's not a theory. It's just a joke. Somebody's going to use deepfake 
this was somebody in the fandom menace, and I'll just say it real quickly because it's a jo- it's a joke. They're going to use deepfake on the the Shadow Council, and <laughs> and have Kathleen Kennedy as one of them. <laughs> okay, moving on. So the following day, <coughs> the Mandalorian fleet. We get another shot of them going into hyperspace. Great, so great. Um, and you get to see more of the gauntlets, which the gauntlet is, of course, uh, that's Bo-Katan's ship, but they have like 20 of them. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're these almost fighter, but way bigger than a fighter because it's big enough for... It's like a troop know, transport to, kind it of. It can transport, yeah, it can transport, I would say, a crew of between 12 20. and 15 people, yeah. maybe 20. Um, <clears throat> they're going to be tight, and it's just kind of transport and get them there and then drop them off. But man, in the scene where they open up and we see like just the devastation, but you know the overgrowth kind of looks like a like a post-apocalyptic, like Last of Us type world that they show. Really, really cool stuff. They should get Pedro um, Pascal for this show. <clears throat> I wonder if he's busy. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a good. There's a chance they could get it. Um, <laughs> well, so, by the way, uh, that reminds me. So there was a discussion of um, all the Pedro Pascal drama and stuff and part of the discussion was they originally only wanted to pay him to be a voice actor but he wanted the pay that an act uh, that a movie star would have but the only way that that would happen contractually is if he actually is on screen and shows his face and so that's why in season one you have the one scene where he removes his helmet in season two well now season two it's more story driven but in season two you Mm -hmm. have the scene where he removes his helmet so I would not be surprised if there's a moment to, uh, in this next episode, in the finale, because yeah. there's been one in the last two finales, but also because of the fact that he wants that movie star um, pay, and so in order to have that, he has to remove the helmet for it. But they don't want to have well, him on set removing it all the time. It's very likely that the Imperials will, will forcefully, remove it. forcefully remove, remove it. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a good point, and I would very much expect that to happen and someone mentioned well what if it gets forcefully removed and he ends up joining the other mandalorians and then the armorer does not require him to put back on the helmet or does not require him like what if this is the impetus for the watch to change and they start saying choose your own path you can be part of our group regardless but choose your own path whether you remove the helmet or not and like i just have to go back because what you just said like when the armorer greets them, welcome fellow Mandalorians. Yeah. And she says that, that's a huge moment. Yeah. We can't it is. just like pass over that. She is a character I wouldn't have ever seen her getting to that point without the interactions she's had with Bo Katan. Yeah. And some with yeah. Dinjarin. I would say both of those characters. And like we talked about at the beginning of this season, with Din's character, he hasn't gone through any kind of story arc. This season, anyway. Yeah. His story arc... Okay, well, except so that I'd say the first the two episodes, maybe. <clears throat> yeah, but it didn't change his character. Yeah. He went through the... He did the redemption thing. Okay. But he hasn't changed it at all. What happened was he influences Bo-Katan way much for the better. Her character goes from depressed and, you know, just basically, you know, doing nothing into this driven I'm I'm re I've got my energy back I've got my fire back I've got my vision back I'm going to retake Mandalore I'm going to lead the people we're going to unite everybody she is all 
she is because of Din and the effect mm-hmm. that he's had on her is a reward for us to watch. And the effect that she and, and Din both have had on the armorer with their belief, with their doing what they've done that is impossible has made the armorer think this is actually possible again. And so it's just a, it's just a huge thing as you, as you had talked about. So that, that kind of brought that up. The way of the Mandalore may change. It's possible. I think, I think it's. I, I think it's going to change by the end of <clears throat> the Mandalorian universe series. Yes. Whether it's going to be this season finale or not, <clears throat> I will point out. However, you and I, before any trailers, before anything happened, at the by the end of the uh, Book of Boba Fett, we were both saying, "All right, so eventually we're going to see they're going to br- either Din Djarin or Bo is going to bring the two clans together the two the two <laughs> ideas of the so so we called that i mean a lot of people called that because it was kind of obvious but we were uh we were able to see this coming so i was very happy that uh they've they've taken even though it's been obvious they've taken the right decisions so far in the storytelling of 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 where the the overall group is going even though this story this season's been wonky you cannot argue it's led to this. It's been it's been obviously leading to the point where the two groups come together in this episode. Um, uh, it felt it felt very organic. It didn't feel like this was out of the out of the blue or anything. Um, and that's because of the good writing. Yeah. The dialogue like we get in this episode between uh, between Din and Kreese, where they're talking about oh, yeah. honor. honor. Oh, that scene is that, so good. That. The dialogue, it's, it's all written in such a way that you just eat it up. You don't, for a second, get pulled out of the scene because of a joke. Or, you know, you don't think of anything other than, wow, this is just, this is the type of friendship that if I was in a position of leadership, I would need somebody like Din to tell me these things. Like somebody who honestly could have been a, a rival, and I saw as a rival. Somebody yeah. who had all the reason to not follow me. And why are they following me now? You mean you actually respect me? What? You you see me as loyal as as somebody with honor and integrity and character? Like that is okay. Well, then that's what I that's what I needed to hear. And we're gonna go and we're gonna do this. And you've given me the empowering that I need. Like everybody needs something in in their life. They need that. It just worries me because now I feel like one of them's gonna die. <laughs> Uh, I think it's more likely that Din <coughs> dies of the two of them. Um, uh, I, I don't think I don't think Bo's dying this episode. Uh, the next episode, I mean, maybe she could, and I could see the argument that she's been around for a while. It, her her arc truly is at an end. Um, but I mean, really, I don't think either of them should die. Uh, because I'm starting to ship them, but uh, I think that of the two of them, I think <clears throat> Din's more likely. And if they kill off Din, it makes it easier for them to deal with the whole Pedro Pascal stuff. Uh, so <sighs> I don't know, man. If they if they either one of them dies, it's going to be a very upset fan base. Yeah, but. We've been warned. I don't want to speculate, but I know that Filoni has made the comment like you're going to be torn. You're going to there's like sad happy. Sad happy. You'll feel sad happy. Yeah. So, I don't know. Okay. We meet some more in Mandalorians, these, you know, kind of ghost ship pirate Mandalorians that are, yeah. you know, like sandbenders out in the desert type situation. Really really cool. I love that they recognize Bo's voice. Yeah. 
it's cool that they are able to immediately show up and in a third kind of offshoot brand reinforce that Bo is somebody that they respect as leader. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with even the Darksaber at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> which is really, really cool. And yes, again, he's throwing more into the, I think Bo may be the one in danger because if she falls after having just brought everybody together, you're like, oh, yeah, we were so close. Be- we were so close to having everybody on the same page, you know, and then they go their own separate ways. And then Din has to want it. You know, you but you are my queen. I don't want oh, it. I was gonna the make the joke. Stuff. I was gonna make the joke. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. Oh, I was, I was ready for sorry. that one. You I was, were. I was. Ready. I'm sorry. No, but I'm actually, sorry. I know that you're. Would, <laughs> that would actually, that would actually be interesting because then Din becomes the reluctant hero and he has to pick up the the dark saber and now he's feeling this kind of guilt over her death and now he has to kind of join the fight. And now he does become the one to, even though she was the one that initially brought them all together, he's the one that keeps them all together, keeps the fight <clears> going. I Okay, I'd be okay with Bo dying and him surviving if they went that way. I, I'm, yeah, I'm on board that's that. what I'm feeling is more likely. But you never know. I hope they both survive because I kind of yeah. shipped them together too. But Maybe uh, it's Grogu who dies. Well, <laughs> oh gosh. That's not happening. He is the most safe person in this entire they're not gonna, series. They're, they're not gonna stop printing money. <laughs> they're just be done. Especially Which, especially with this new IG toy that they're gonna sell and, a billion of. And someone pointed out Ray is going to need a full complement <clears throat> of Jedi for the new Jedi Order series movie series. Grogu could be in that movie possible if he's still alive is, that would be really cool i'm not sure dave well, filoni and favreau were going to share him with uh with the other people at lucasfilm but maybe they would because that only that, if their character only if he is done if they're done with him once they're done with the character then they can say okay y'all can have him for the ray movie and right. but that because if you start using him then we know that he survives and there's no yeah, yeah. Know, stakes there's less stakes to his story and of course, it would be really cool to see him helping to guide Ray, or you know, some of the vice versa. Um, but we don't know. I mean, he might end up just as a Mandalorian. He might end up as their ruler. Who knows? So this cool scene, and there's a lot of good graphics. But this monster kind of comes out of nowhere and basically just eats the ship that they're all on, and everybody has a jetpack, so they all they just like in the nick of time are able to blast off and get out of there. It seems like maybe one or two didn't, but um, uh, these guys on their on their ship they should have been more careful about. Uh, and I I know people were like, "Is this the you know the mythosaur?" That's not the mythosaur. I'm pretty sure it's not the mythosaur. Just a random creature. That's the and meme. There's there's still one more big giant monster <clears throat> that we have to see, right? Right? For so sure. Che- Chekhov's gun is, is really hurting them here because it's like so obvious you have to include the Mythosaur next episode. Yeah. Is she going to have the idea to go? Um, like they really don't have any ship because Ma- uh, yeah, Onward took the ship. Yeah. And then Axe Woves... We'll get to it in a second. Yeah, yeah, But we'll get to that. So this cave that they kind of led into, it was basically by accident. It was because of the monster. Yeah. It has nothing to do with anybody there. Like, they didn't steer into this monster and die, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, 
I that's why for me, there's people who are saying that there was a spy that kind of delivered them straight to this ambush by Gideon. No, I don't buy that. Mm -mm. You know, you don't have any control of this monster. Maybe you kind of knew it was there and you, you knew they would meet these other Mandalorians and you just were able to predict everything. But unless your name's Thrawn, I just don't buy that. Um, (laughs) Here's, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. The, so, so there have, I've, signed, I've seen basically three theories on who the, the spy is, and I think two of them are hogwash, and one of them is going to be the case. One of the theories is that it's the armorer, and I don't think that's the case. Like, I think that's the least likely no. of the three options. The second option oh, is that it's Axe Wolves, and they're like, well, he conveniently makes it out you know, before they all start dying and stuff, so maybe it's Axe Wolves. I don't think that's the case either. I don't think they've done enough with him to make him... Worthy of being the spy. However, mm-hmm. the third option that not a lot of people are talking about is the pirates, the, the, the pirate Mandalorians, who just conveniently show up, conveniently are driving them. And now they did not intend what you're saying. They did not intend to go through the tunnels to get uh, the way they did. But the end goal of getting to the forge was their end goal. They did intend to get to that forge there. And the, the stormtroopers wearing the Mandalorian armor were already, were already prepared for a force there. So that, there was like kind of an ambush in place there. <clears throat> but they sent all of their wounded, all of their children, all of their All of them up to the, up to the, up the, to the, the Mandalorian ship. So that's where, the, that's where that, that theory goes wrong. So that theory I'll say, really doesn't have a lot to... I mean, the difference is like, I think there's a singular member <clears throat> of that pirate group, maybe. Or I don't know. But if there is a... I, I actually think the actual answer is there is no spy among the, yeah. them. I think that the spies is referring to Elia Kane and um, uh, the Shadow Council. Midian, Gideon's Gideon. spies yeah, that he Gideon's was talking spies. about and the Shadow... Absolutely. Yeah, but if it's there is a spy among way... those three groups, I think the pirates are the most Ugh. likely, personally. I mean, but I don't think that's actually the case. Do you remember? Um, so I'm trying to think. It was the the show One Division, <clears throat> and one of the actors had made a comment. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> as a joke. It was. Um, I know where you're going with this. And we were convinced in the final episode that we were going to see. Um, <clears throat> and there was this whole list. It was like, oh, it's going to be, it's either like, cause there's going to be a cameo that's bigger than mine or, you know, or, or Hugh, you know, some, some big actor that I've never worked I've never with, worked with. Yeah. type thing. And everybody was like, YouTube videos were all a buzz. Who could it be? Well, he's worked with this actor in this movie, so it can't be this character <laughs> and all of this. Like, do you remember all of that? I do remember it was just all of that. nonsense. It was. <laughs> <clears throat> and then it ended up being this huge nothing burger. <coughs> Everybody was disappointed, and and it turned out honestly, to be himself. Feel, yeah, the cameo was him. He was joking about himself, right. and he like he interviewed later. He's I did not mean for everybody to take it the way they took it. I was making a joke. They took it literally. Anyway, and to so be I honest, like it should have been. Is that it's they're, I, it, they're diving into it. I should have been uh, in Wandavision. It should have been Mephisto at the end because A, that's how it goes in the comics and B, that's just cool. You think you're dealing with Agatha Harkness. You think you have this big bad that you're having to deal with who's just scary and then all of a sudden you have like the literal devil shows up to fight you. I mean like 
That would have been so cool. And it would have matched the storytelling because they were building it up with some of the other stuff that they, this symbolism uh, that they were doing. But yep. anyway, there was a this. lot of that. Yeah. It was very, yeah. Bait and switch. Um, I still love WandaVision, so but I'm still kind of bitter <clears> that, they, that they pulled that on the fandom. Yeah. We get some good fight scenes between the Dark Troopers and, you know, all this awesome armor that they're wearing. They hold their own really well, but there's, you know, there is a clear victory for the Mandalorians. They're able to push them back. There's just a numbers issue because there's so yeah. many, so many of these troopers. Um, as they get driven through these tunnels, you know, it feels more and more imperial. Yeah. And as they're looking around, the all the architecture is like, okay, this is, you know, very recognizable until they're full on, like, looks just like an imperial base. And yeah. <clears throat> that's when they're like, oh, we're in some trouble now. How do we end up here? And that's leading me to the question, do you really feel like the Great Forge has been basically built? They've built this Imperial base right on top of the Great Forge? <clears throat> kind of right next to, because you see the Great Forge in the, the, the initial fight scene, so it's like right next to it. Um, so, uh, so it's just right there, yeah. Yeah, right there. Uh, I will say, I saw this online. When um, the episode happened, when when they get trapped, and you have the few Mandalorians in front, and the and the bigger group behind them, and then the the whole bad guy group comes in and they surround uh, Din, and people are like, "If only you had a sword that could cut through that metal to 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 j- join the fight and save Din." Um, uh, people were like, "Why didn't they just use the dark saber to get through and save him?" Well, here's I think I think there's a good reason why they didn't. And I think they didn't yeah. because, A, they knew it was insurmountable forces. B, they knew that they were dealing with something much bigger overall. It's not just about fighting these bad guys right in front of them. It's about the whole tactical situation. And she realized, both Skatan mm-hmm. specifically realized, <clears throat> we should not be, uh, we should not continue. It's better to sacrifice these lives and live to fight another day and regroup our forces than it is to just keep on push, push through. So I think she's thinking tactically there. The second reason is... Bo-Katan, you know, she does use the Darksaber later on to get him out the back way, and, and, and she's very competent at it. Um, so I think that it was going through that thought through her mind, and it makes it so much more sad that she wants to save Din so much, but has to make the choice not to save him for the greater good. Like that, I just think that makes the whole... They didn't, they didn't do that. They didn't focus enough on that mm-hmm. idea. But if you think about it that way, it makes it so much more tragic. And so it doesn't bother me that they <clears throat> never used the, the Darksaber. The why don't... Why didn't they... Questions that you see people asking and complaining like, why didn't they just... Why didn't they just... Um, <coughs> ooh, excuse me. So why didn't they just do this and why didn't they... Okay. <coughs> excuse me again. Let's so... As you can tell, apparently I'm coming down with something. I apologize to everybody. I will work on that. Um, <laughs> but those questions aren't fair. It's it's a battle situation, and you do what your training says. You try mm-hmm. and make a great on-the-spot decision. But we know that if they had tried to break through the door in front of them, that Moff Gideon could have opened that door right. at any moment. At any moment, yeah. <laughs> so let's say they you know cut a few holes and they try to use it for cover. Well, he would just open the whole door and they wouldn't have any cover at all and they wouldn't like oh they can just make some holes with the dark saber and then shoot through well no he'd open the whole door he's not going to do that their only option was what they did that was it my question is why did he choose to let's say capture Din Djarin, whereas 
with regards to Paz Vizsla, he just said, take him out. Well, he doesn't exactly have a history with Paz. Um, uh, yes. Where he does have the history with Din. So it's more of like a, it's personal in that sense. Um, uh, but uh, also, I, I think it's just that, uh, you know, at the time, uh, he, he already captured Din. There's no reason in, um, uh, in killing him at the moment when you could get something out of him where it's just like, ah, eh, he's, not, he's not intent on, like, he already has a prisoner. Once you have one, you don't necessarily need too many. So that's why it's like, ah, let Paz down. Also, we needed that cool fight at the end with Paz taking on those awesome uh, Praetorian mm-hmm. guards. With the, I will say, the music in that sequence was well done when, they, when they're introduced. And um, uh, the problem with The Last Jedi was you see them get knocked down so easily. Now, yes, it takes like seven or eight of them to fight uh, Rey and Kylo, <clears throat> and they pretty much... Near, they, they nearly lose but um, to the Praetorians, but still, you don't see how awesome fighters the Praetorian guards are for non-Force users. And here you mm-hmm. see them just wreck Paz Vizsla after he's gone and wrecked all these, not just stormtroopers, but he's taken out all the Mando armor stormtroopers, the Beskar, stor- the Beskar troopers. So you've yeah. s- established him as being a good fighter, good, uh, very strong, all that stuff. So they established that. And they're like, all right, see how awesome this guy is? Let's just make him look so pathetic <clears throat> in comparison to the Praetorian Guards. So it, it was a good And his gun had device. overheated. That's, yeah. that's a big part of it, too. But, um, yeah, it, storytelling-wise, they, you know, they take him out so easily. Mm-hmm. And then if it had been one-on-one, it might have been a little closer. Yeah. And I, I, I want to throw in one thing because I saw this from Theory and from another, a couple other uh, YouTubers who are watching this. And they were very angry. That, or 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 at minimum disappointed that they were had the Praetorian Guards at all because they're connecting to the sequel trilogy. And I get not everyone's gonna love the sequel trilogy like I am, but part of the thing is, it's, no, it's they're there. not sequel characters to me. They were they were always there. You know, Empire had them in Episode Six. Those aren't Praetorians again. though. The Royal Guard. The, the Royal Guard. Yeah, that, that's Guard. not Praetorian though. That's like a. I, Praetorians is like a special elite, special group. It's separate. Uh, they only did kept the red because it seemed, um, you know, it, it, made, it made people think of the two, but they're not actually from episode six. <clears throat> but regardless, okay. it's to me, it's like sequel references are inevitable because it's part of the mythos. They're not going to, and, and, and he put out, and Theory basically put out his manifesto of what he'd do if he was in charge of the... Um, of the universe mm-hmm. and some of his ideas were yeah, interesting, but I the problem it. is that at the moment they're not going to be just overhauling stuff. And so it's part of the universe. So your two options are to just ignore it, which will make you look like you're not, you know, handling your universe, right? If you just ignore parts of it or that they're making those parts better by explaining things, by setting them up more better, by making them have more significance. For instance, I like the Praetorians better because they seem really cool and they're u- utilized well here. So to me, I think it's actually a positive to, to, to use things like this from any trilogy, whether it's prequels, original or sequel or, or you know, legends or canon for, uh, material for that matter. So, yeah, there's no pleasing everybody. Right. And it bothers me. It does. I don't agree with theory on everything. I really like him, but there's a lot of stuff that I, I commented on his video today. I was like, dude, huge Eltic with this armorer, you know, 
theory that you've got going on. I'm like, I'll eat crow if I'm wrong. Right. But like 99.9% chance she's on, on the level. I, she I, I'm brought with the, you on this one. Both factions together. Gideon was absolutely shocked that both factions were together. She's the one who brought them together. She sent Bo to do it. She's the catalyst for this whole thing based off the changes that Bo had, you know, had proven herself to her. That's what really kind of enabled all of this to happen. And just, you know, so there's an argument that says, well, how do you think the Beskar had been made into armor by the Imperials? You know, is it, I, is, I thought it was like a Mandalorian smithing secret. I'm like, okay, maybe there's some secrets to make theirs better, but it's forging armor out of metal and the Empire can build Death Stars. Yep. So I'm going to build a Death Star out of this out. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> then we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm just now I'm just imagining it's like uh, uh, all right, focus all your fire on um, that. Oh, we can't the best scar, the best scar, the best best scar, the best star, a best a death scar, a death, death scar. scar. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's okay, really that's got it. Okay, that's 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 the new super weapon, the death scar, death scar. Um, <laughs> the argument that that Grogu should have used the force from behind the wall um, is the only one that I think has some legitimacy. They didn't focus enough on, you know, Grogu's reaction. I kind of forgot he was there. It felt that way. There was, but they had to force Gideon and Kreese to the confrontation that they had, which, um, you know, Kreese has laid everything bare. She's like, she's like somebody who's confessed all their sins. Yeah. And it's just on this habit of like, you know, I'm a new person. Here's everything that I did, but this is what we're doing now, mm-hmm. and get on board. You know, she did it early in the episode where she talked about how she surrendered to save her people, but didn't work out. She, she's that type of person, and, like, I think Gideon realizes, okay, she is somehow way more fired up than even the first time that I met her. Yeah. She's more fired up now than ever, and we need to kill her. Oh, crap, she got away. So... Um, <clears throat> that that kind of overshadows Grogu. What could he have done? I I feel like even if he'd used the Force a little bit, probably you know Din still gets captured. So now, um, now we need a scene where uh, Grogu calls him uh, and says, <clears throat> "Have something I want you do." <laughs> oh yeah. Instead of like, <laughs> the, but I see the memes just, of like him in the in IG twelve uh, saying you the you have something I want monologue and and uh, Gideon being like crap <laughs> not this again I just <clears throat> I want next episode for there to be the scene where Gideon's about to to execute Din and you know he says do you have any last words <laughs> and then all of a sudden you hear the words yes yes no. Yo. Boom. <laughs> right. And then like Yo, a force, okay, yes. and then that and then a really force weird. push on Gideon or something, <clears throat> and then you know like a spinning, you know the way that that Ig spins around and fires his blasters in every directions, and Grogu just smiling as he you know spins and fires in a three sixty degree arc and combines it with force pushes and everything. Oh, and you're just like he's a menace now. Holy crap. <laughs> That could happen next episode, oh, and then of course hilarious. through the wall behind is 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 Bo riding the mythosaur. I I really in. do hope I really <clears> do hope <throat> Grogu says one word, like <clears throat> actual says a word that's intelligible next episode. 
he really needs to. I mean, maybe they won't because he has the IG-12 thing now, but he needs to. I want him to say, um, like, dad or... Oh, yeah, dad. Um, he could say, uh, like, I love, love or... Yeah. Something like that. Something really special, really cute mm-hmm. that people Something would just cute. be like, oh, you know, yeah. that could work really well. But if, you know, it'll be, it'll be weird whenever he says that first word. So Axe Woves is the only kind of, you know, person to warn. But we know that communication does not work. And yeah. there's no way for him to get word to anybody unless he flies up into the atmosphere, which I don't think his, his suit will let him go up that far. I, he I think he's going to find more Mandalorians on the, <clears throat> on the surface, more, more pirates. He has to get away up to let, you know, to warn the whole fleet. And uh, if he does, then they have a chance. If they don't, then, then they're going to get wiped out. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you sp- expect to get um, like surprise reinforcements from the Republic um, no, not at from the end the of the battle? Okay. There is. Do you expect... Do you expect Boba Fett to show up with surprise reinforcements? More likely than the... Um, I'd, I'd expect that more likely than the Republic. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I could see... I know I've heard a lot about that. I've heard, like, there's a lot of theorizing that Boba Fett makes his appearance. And that could be cool. Um, I don't expect to see Luke. I'm just going to say that no, would be... No, that would that would be very, very unlikely. Ahsoka... Maybe pretty, pretty, pretty unlikely, unlikely yeah, yeah. but there's still a small chance. And if she did, um, but I think, I think the, I think the real one's going to be that we could get, um, another Mandalorian who is a friend of Ahsoka showing up for the first time. Oh, Sabine. Yes. Okay. That would make sense. Or and then that's, and that's some, a good... some clan, clan Ren or another Mandalorian clan yeah, showing up know. to offer. Yeah. <clears throat> I think if we had Sabine show up with reinforcements to join the Mandalorian clan at a pivotal point in the battle, it would be like, oh, there's so many Mandalorians out there. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. They've just got, you know, yeah. there's all these clans out there. And when they finally come together, that could be a cool thing. Um, but I don't know. Predictions from you. What are some things you No, like? I, I would like that. I think that, you know, Boba Fett would work, although I'm not sure that they've foreshadowed it. I'm not sure that he's enough is the problem. I'm not sure he would be enough or that he has enough of a fleet wherever he is that right. he would be good enough. Maybe maybe Sabine would work. Possibly Ahsoka. Um, uh, I really... <coughs> if I'm in charge, I would actually end the season where it's not the rebels or the the mandos who get the reinforced i i would end the season on a downer if it's me i don't end it with them getting reinforcements i end it with them surviving the 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 tie fighters and the the, the bombers and they're like all right we survived that and then all of a sudden boom, star destroyer shows up mm. and you don't see who's in the star destroyer but you know who's in the star destroyer the chimera shows the chimera up. shows up oh that's man. That's how I would end it. But uh, I'll be I'll be happy. I'll, I'm sure I'll be happy no matter what they do because I'm because I think they laid it out well. <clears throat> Whatever the case, I think post credits is where we'll yeah, see post credits if we post credits. I think I think <clears throat> we will get a post credits. Um, uh, the only thing that I feel like this has to happen. The one thing that I feel the most confident on is the mythosaur. Like 
If they don't use the Mythosaur, I'm going to be mad. But I think they're going to use the Mythosaur. Mm. I think so, too. Unless this story is really talking about, like, heading game. a whole nother, another, yeah. Right. Unless, unless it's, it's like they're saving season. it for the Mando movie. <clears throat> which, if they are, I understand. But it feels like, a, again, they spent way too long this season on the Mythosaur. With a runtime reported of 39 minutes before <laughs> the credits roll. That's that's not, like, I mean, there have been much longer episodes of Mando. That's yeah. not a lot of time. And so it feels like there's a lot that has to a lot that has to happen. Yeah. <clears throat> Overall, my rating is is really really good, really good. Yeah. This episode is the best episode of season three, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. It's right up there. I would say my favorite episodes of season two were, of course, the rescue. Uh, I loved the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Those two were at the, the very 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 top. Uh, not the Duchess. The, the Duchess um, was <clears throat> the heiress was just heiress. underneath. Yeah, that was really really good. Um, the gunslinger was really good. Uh, there was tons of good episodes in season two, but I say that this episode was probably—it's mm, not going to be as good as the rescue. No, which I had as like a, and not as good as the Jedi, but it's up there. I'm going to say nine point four. Okay, nine point four. I, um, I, I was going <clears> to <throat> go like nine point nine point two, nine point three. I would say for me, the heiress is better. And the child from season one is better um, for me, but I would put it on par with the rescue and with um, uh, and, and with the Jedi. Like it's on on par of that for me. The only the only question is if we bring in Boba Fett. I think the Boba Fett episode with um, uh, you know with with Mando episode five is is on that level as well. Oh, um, yeah, you're talking about the Robert Rodriguez, the episode of Mando that he directed with Boba Fett? What was no, that no, no, called? no, 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 um, no, the episode of <clears throat> Boba Fett with Mando. Um, oh, The Return of the Mandalorian. Yeah, The Return of the Mandalorian. Yes. Not the second one. Not the second one. the first one? Yeah, yeah the first one. The, the second one was good, one. but yeah, that, that, that was a really fantastic episode. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, it's so, so fast how quickly this season has gone. Yeah. Gone by. I'm just. Have, uh, let me let me just say we have the finale of Mando on Wednesday, and then we have the finale, not just the finale, but like the finale of Picard on Thursday. I am going to be a wreck oh. this week because oh. I feel like I'm going to binge Picard this week, <gasps> so I can no, be ready. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe <clears throat> should, cause, so you can catch up. It's really good. Watch them in two I, episode arcs. Yeah, because if I don't. The spoilers for that final episode are going to get to me. Yeah. Well, you've already they... got you've already gotten the biggest spoiler. Like everyone said That's before true. the season That's started, true. they said episode nine is going to wreck everyone, and it did. Episode nine wrecked everyone. However, <clears throat> Star Trek they only release the episode in the U.S. on Thursday. It doesn't release <clears throat> in the U.K. or the rest of Europe until Friday. So. All the not all, but most of the U.S. Twitter followers who, who talk about um, Star Trek, they actually had to keep the secret. We we all avoided tweeting oh, s- spoilers all day Thursday. We just had to be very vague. Oh my goodness, because we didn't want to spoil the people in the U.K. and wow. that was super hard. And it's going to be super hard to do again on this upcoming Thursday. Goodness. Yeah, I can imagine the temptation is is too it's, great for some it's, people. It's, yeah. A lot of people don't care, so it yeah. says a lot that there's people in the fan base who are willing to, you know, 
they were they're just willing to hold back. Right. Um, hey, do you need? Because we really skipped over the scene with Grogu breaking up the fight between Axe and Paws. Do oh, we need to yeah. go talk about that? I was, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly touch on my thought, which was I thought that. It was symbolism. I thought it was symbolism of the fan base. You have this one group that's very rigid. <clears throat> they all only care about the old <clears throat> way. And if you don't believe in the old way, they don't, they, they don't accept you into their group, which kind of how it has felt to be an EU fan in the past. And then you have the other group, which is the new group, the shiny group, the, the more mainstream group, uh, which has been like the more canon stuff. And uh, that's that's the the other group, the Axe Wolves camp, and it feels like they they constantly bicker. But then there's this one thing remembering them. Hey, we need to work together on this. There's there's more that unites us than divides us type thing. And in here, it's Grogu who symbolically in 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 universe is kind of like a new type of Mandalorian. But also externally, it's like this show is able to bring in all the types of Star Wars fans. So I thought it was great mm-hmm. symbolism there, personally. I have, and I have not and seen other people talk about it that way. Um, so I'm not sure if it was intentional or if I'm just reading too much into it. I, I totally agree. There's even the, you know, the rules clarification. Right. Like if you've ever played a card game with yeah, somebody who's yeah. like... No, I don't play by that rule. That's, right. that's your made-up rule. That's like your family rule. Calvin rules. Ball. We don't, we don't do that. It's <laughs> symbolism of like, oh, that's your, yeah, that's your Mandalorian rules with the mask. Right. We don't do that crap. Right. Um, <clears throat> like, we play the same game, but you, you play by your own rules. And so there's, there's definitely a lot to take away. It's, it's, that was pretty much, I mean, on the surface. Uh, maybe, maybe not the deepest writing. But <laughs> I, I certainly liked that, <clears throat> you know, you get this comment that, um, hey, your apprentice, she, she calls, you know, is not his son, but uh, Kreese calls, he, she calls Grogu Din's apprentice. Like, you know, you taught him well. I didn't <laughs> teach him that. And yeah, I didn't teach him that. that See, was, that's that why was, you should have uh, used interesting the force line. there because then he could really lay it on thick <clears> with the I didn't teach him that. But still, still, it's, it still worked. It would have been... It's so cute if he had waved his hand like a force uh, right. mind trick. During <laughs> or, he said, no, 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 a little wave of the hand. Can you just imagine? Or, no. or, or can you imagine if he had uh, like waved his hand or something and then the robot's hand waved or something? That would have been, been <laughs> cute. <laughs> yeah, it was really cute. It was really cute. Um, all right. Well, I can't wait to be back with you for this finale Next episode. Week. And then we need to talk about only after, a few days away. after the after the finale. We need to talk about the we'll two bad, about batch bad batch finale, and we then uh, maybe do a wrap up for the whole season like we've done in the past. And then yes. on May the fourth, we have visions. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, I'm excited for that. I want to do. I want to split it great. up like we did last time and do like three, three, three. Um, for sure, uh, yes. I think that was a good <clears throat> bring in bring in Marlin or someone else. Um, I think, yeah, I think that like people have a good reason to expect a little bit more from Visions this time around. Yeah, having the studio and everybody else done some experimenting and seeing what they liked yeah. and what was good, and maybe they have more more direction this time. And then, um, uh, and then sometime in the summer, we are we have to do the Thrawn trilogy books. We have. We have to do that before Ahsoka. That is that is our required <laughs> home, home homework reading. So well, I would I would be down. So I got to finish the one that I'm on because I'm still on the second book of, of Ascendancy. So yeah, I need to finish that. But all right, well, throw us out. You can find us on Simplecast, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, uh, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can find our Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine, my YouTube channel, Jonathan Cohn, and you can find. Um, 
uh, us other places. And uh, until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Nathan, a.k.a. MP Bro. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine.